Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, my name is Alexander Chester, and Av, have I introduced you to my new girlfriend? Her name is Habiba. She's from Gaza. And I'm Av Sinensky, and why should anyone care where they're buried? You could throw me in a garbage dump. Doesn't matter. I'm dead. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We're here today to discuss Fish in the Dark, a Broadway play which originally premiered on March 5th, 2015. Uh, it was the second of the major, major uh, programs, uh, performances that Larry put on during his uh, long break from Curb. Last week, of course, we discussed Clear History, the HBO movie. And this week we are discussing the Broadway show, which uh, Larry appeared in, along with uh, Rita Wilson and a number of others. Uh, Av, you've only seen half the play. I saw the whole play, but uh, you caught up this week. Is that right? I caught up um, uh, such as it is. I uh, I purchased the, uh, I guess, the paperback version of the transcript on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, we had secured that audio recording of the play. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't seem that a uh, video recording exists, uh, which is sad because it would be nice if people had an opportunity to watch it because I don't think it's ever returning to Broadway, if I had to guess. Probably um, not. Um, yeah, so I um, I read along as I listened and um I uh, I think I enjoyed myself. It was nice. Um, I finally uh, got to see the you know the whole thing in you know one shot beginning to end, um, which I hadn't gotten to do the first time, uh, as I've mentioned previously before. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a nice fun time. It's uh, it's a pretty pretty funny play. Mm. Uh, well, I don't remember that much about my original viewing of it, except I think it was the best seats I ever got at a Broadway show when I myself paid for the tickets. Uh huh. And we were like right in the first row. And I do remember that when Larry drops up pretty, pretty, pretty yes. good, he got a, a very thunderous yes. applause. Yeah, that, that's like the highlight of the play for a curve fan, which you yeah. know, I guess, you know, that potentially is an indictment of the play. Um, but, he, you know, kind of where what we talked about last week with clear history, it's just like he just very much leans into the Larry David of it all whenever he's Larry David. Just like there's no like his whole, you know. We, we know one of his favorite things is just like bl- these blurred realities of real person versus fake person, George Costanza versus Larry David versus uh, Norman this week versus mm. uh, whatever the hell guy's name was last week. I already forgot. Raleigh. Yeah. Raleigh now, but, now I, um, I, I did say, by the way, that originally premiered on March 5th, 2015. Uh-huh. I'm looking at my Google calendar. I saw it on Broadway on Saturday, February 7th, 2015. So doing a bit of digging previews started on February 2nd. So I saw a preview on the fifth day. So it hadn't officially opened yet. I can't. I was actually just looking through my email to see if I could find it. Um, Mm. It's possible that I didn't buy the tickets. I I went together with three other people. Mm. Um, So maybe one of them got it. Although I'm usually the person that gets the tickets for things. Um, I've been known to be able to procure tickets, usually just like by like being on top of buying the tickets. It's not that hard. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I, uh, I know I went with a friend of the podcast, Amir and his wife, Orly, mm-hmm. uh, they got to see the entire play. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, my friend, uh, Ari Schwab and I, uh, coming down from Riverdale, just like one of the worst traffic jams I've ever had. Just like, it took like, like we left like way early. Cause we're like, it's fine. Whatever we figured, Oh, we'll go like, we'll get a beer or something before. Like we, we thought we were going to get there an hour early and it just like, it took almost two hours to get there. Uh, now I'm reading here. The play took in 13 and a half million dollars in advanced sales. Yeah, I saw that highest advance for any spring production on Broadway, beating the previous record of 13 million from the 2013 revival of Harold Pinter's betrayal. Harold Pinter, of course, Pinter, a, uh, a name from Seinfeld. Yeah. Who's Peter Ronawat. Right. In Change the, it from Pinter to Peter. In, in the backwards episode. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. It's like Smith over there. Yes. 
yeah. theater. Uh, and then more Seinfeld isms. Larry got the idea from this play from his friend and lawyer, Lloyd Braun. Lloyd Braun has a lot of good ideas. He had the idea for Fish the Park. Didn't he have the idea for Lost or like he greenlit Lost? So it says here, after Braun's father died, David went to visit him. Lloyd said, we're sitting Shiva and Larry's over the first day of my house. And I was telling him a bunch of stories of what had gone on the last few days because some were crazy and hilarious, like a relative flying in from wherever because they want to be in show business. It's an outlet for me. We started talking about how it's an incredible material. And Larry says, it's a Broadway play. And indeed it was. Yeah. So Lloyd, yeah, Lloyd Braun did... um did like is credited with being involved at the network at ABC and getting lost on the uh, air. Why can't you be more like Lloyd Brown? Um, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, he did derail the Dinkins campaign, but mm-hmm. from there, it seems to be all straight up for Lloyd. It says here. Yeah, he he came up with the idea for the Sopranos along with David Chase. Then he was the chairman of ABC. Then he was forced out after greenlighting a $13 million pilot for a show called Lost, which was the most expensive ever. The script of Lost was heavily criticized by Michael Eisner and Robert Iger. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, yeah. fair, <laughs> fair in retrospect, yes. but also not. But yeah, you know, Broad's decision was vindicated when the show went on to become a huge success. Yeah, and I then think, they uh, went on to create. They went on to uh, produce Desperate Housewives, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, Boston Legal, Grey's Anatomy. Unprecedented turnaround for ABC. So yeah, uh, maybe Michael Eisner and Robert Iger uh, owe uh, Lloyd Broad an apology. Yeah, I mean, Ding. but you could say that the other guys were like read read the pilot, and they're like, no, this is not going to work out. Everyone's going to be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he and his wife uh, are members of Kehillat Israel. They, I don't know why that's on his uh, Wikipedia page. Why wouldn't it be? Uh, is, the, uh, is your synagogue membership on your uh, Wikipedia page? Um, no, I guess not. I mean, I don't have a Wikipedia page, but maybe mm. it would be. The character yeah. Loy Braun on the sitcom Seinfeld is named after Braun, who is the mm. manager and lawyer of that show's creator, Larry David. Yes. Oh, so is Lloyd Braun Jeff? Ah. Except that he seems to be, he, Jeff doesn't have nearly the success or other clients that Lloyd doesn't, does. Doesn't seem so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Lloyd Braun does get very turned on by Elaine getting hosed down on the street, but like Jeff is much bigger of a horn dog than Lloyd. Yes. You can see. Like Lloyd just has a thing for Elaine, I think. Yeah. All right. So why don't we jump right into Fish in the Dark? Yeah, I figured though, before we jump ah. into like the thing, we could just like, Update some of the curb news that's coming. Oh, well, that's true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, we should do that um, before we jump in. Um, I also wanted to just talk quickly about the cast before we go in, just we, so we can kind of like give the lay of the land of who everyone is. So as mm-hmm. we say names, it's uh, it's clear. Um, so, yeah, so uh, Curb announced the premiere date. Um, our sources were correct, although like, you know, it wasn't there was only like a couple of options when, for what it was going to be. But um, Curb is premiering on Sunday, October 24th, a weird time. It says 1040 p.m. Yeah. Which I don't know what that's about. I guess maybe there's going to be a super long succession that night or something or who even knows. Um, who, watch, who watches I mean, these live anyway? I know, but it's still just like a weird time slot. HBO still does have a, uh, you know, an official schedule when, when shows yeah. air. Like I will channel. say it's much better to be the 24th than the 31st because the 24th, uh, speaking selfishly anyways, is the Vikings bye week, uh-huh. whereas the 31st, they're playing Sunday night football. So it's a difference between me getting to uh, watch with nothing else to distract me versus uh, not being able to watch until much later. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, HBO, if you're listening, um, Good job. send us the tapes of the um of the shows beforehand ah, um, also, yeah. and we will reward you with uh, great podcast content about mm. your show. So, you know, it's okay. a win-win in my opinion. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so that's exciting. So that's um, what now three weeks away. So we got um, we're now in like first week of October. Uh, this is going to be coming out. Um, yeah. Less than three and, weeks. And away. yeah. So the week after that, we, we have a, we have something lined up that should hopefully be nice. Um, and then we have a, a week off in between that and the start of the season. So we'll see. Maybe we can do some sort of season 11 preview. Maybe not. Depends how much like information there is even out there. Um, yeah. There's like some cast information. Yeah. Um, but whatever. We'll see. We'll see what it looks. Things look like. We've never taken a week off on this podcast, right? We've never taken a week off. So we probably yeah. shouldn't. Um, I guess we could just we could. Talk I was arguing about... why we could. But yeah. But either way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we could. Oh, you're saying we're 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 due. We deserve a week off. It's yeah. Uh, it'll be the uh, week off, the summer of Alex and Oz. Yes, we'll, that'll be our vacation. Hmm. Um. Okay, I could buy that. All right, we'll see. We'll see when we get there. If they demand the podcast, we'll just say maybe. Yeah. Well, Zach had wanted us to turn a movie ladder and then talk about uh, other movies. Oh yeah. Right? I, yeah. I, I yeah. I didn't get around to watching Superbad. I hope nobody yeah. did. I've like seen Superbad many times, but not yeah. in the last. All week. right. If something comes up that relates to Superbad, we'll. Uh, 
we'll maybe go there for a little bit, although I haven't seen it recently. Um, okay. So yeah, let's, um, so yeah, so that's really exciting. Um, so, you know, we'll have, um, probably one or, or two, maybe two episodes before, uh, season 11 starts. So, you know, we're excited for that. I'm sure everyone who's listening to this is excited for uh, new curb. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's, uh, let's talk fish in the dark. Um, we'll just talk about a little bit about some of our main characters and who plays them just because there's also some fun, curb connections in here we of course have norman drexel the main character played by larry david um, he would uh, are we really uh, gonna call him norm we're not just gonna call him uh larry yeah we, we probably end up calling him larry a lot yeah. <laughs> um um although we might in some in some instances we would call him jason uh, yes because, after larry uh, leaves yeah so we when I, saw, when I quote saw hit saw the play um it was with larry david we actually got tickets for my in-laws to go see it for like their anniversary or birthday or something um and by that time they saw it with jason alexander mm. um which i think they kind of, actually, what, what kind of son-in-law are you giving it with oh you're saying they want jason more than larry it's could be it's possible that the play itself might have been better with jason alexander in that role yeah i don't know i never saw it that way so who knows yeah. it's possible yeah, I didn't see it either. Really, really. Yeah. So, the recording I listened to was of uh, Jason. Was of uh, sorry, of Larry. David. Yeah, and of course, Larry's wife in the play is played by Tom Hanks's real life wife, Rita Wilson. Uh, she, of course, was in uh, the season two episode "The Doll," where she played uh, Ann Michelson. Um, the uh, I, I remember. I think it was was it ABC? The Lauren Michelson or whatever his name was. Or, yeah, the executive. Um, yeah, the executive. The uh, that was real life, wife. real life Lloyd Braun, perhaps. Um, yeah, perhaps everyone's they're all like it's a setup. They're all like yeah. one. Um, okay, then the rounding out the rest of the Drexels, we got oh, we got a bunch more. So we shouldn't even say rounding oh. out yet. We got Norman's mom. So Gloria. many dra- so many dragons here. We got Norman's mom, Gloria. We got Norman's dad, Sydney. He was played by the Minion Man, Jerry Adler from yeah. Softy. From um, from Sopranos as well. But yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Then of course we have Arthur Drexel, his uh Norman's uh brother. He's played by Ben Schenkman, who he he's in season 10 of curb right the artificial fruit guy the lawyer yeah we haven't met him yet yeah okay yeah we haven't seen him yet in our uh review um okay we then have a a few additional minor family members um we got stewie um norman's uncle he of course he actually i don't know if you you noticed this he was max bialystok in the running of the producers that Larry goes to see in like one of the first episodes of season four. Oh, the test that one. Oh yeah. That's a deep cut. Yeah. Um, then we got um, Norm and Brenda's daughter, Natalie played by Molly Ranson. We got Jessica Drexel, who is Arthur's daughter played by Rachel Reshoff. I don't know who these people are. Um, yeah. Okay. Then just uh, a, lot, a few more characters is uh, Rosie Perez plays is the uh, family housekeeper, Fabiana. And um, Jay, Jake Cannavale, Bobby Cannavale's son. Yeah, plays, I'm a big Bobby uh, fan. Not as much Diego. a fan of Jake. Yeah, plays Diego. Um, okay, uh, the rest of the people we can uh, talk about them as they come. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's dive in. Let's dive in. So we open with Larry and Cheryl in bed and they were woken by a phone call. It's uh, past the cutoff. Um, and Norman immediately assumes someone's dead. He starts freaking out. It's three in the morning. Uh, turns out his instinct was pretty spot on. It's his brother, Arthur, calling to say dad's sick. He's being taken to the hospital. Um, Norman wants to go see him, but it turns out that he can't even go visit him until the morning. Um, now, so then, it seems yeah. very strangely, but when the phone rings, he's like really stressed out when he actually hears it's his father and he might be right. dying. He's much calmer all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's something about the, you know, OK, it's like it's the finality, the knowledge. Like mm. I hear that sometimes when yeah. you, there is a sense of relief when you get bad news. Maybe he was going like, to hear it was like worse news, like your dog died. My father. Ah, who cares? Yeah, I guess. I mean, right. This is pretty particularly bad news, um, but I've definitely been in a situation where like even just like getting the, the bad news and having the anxiety be over um like was a sense of relief okay but yeah but that's more of a situation where you're like anticipating all right potentially so it's worse to have a chance of somebody dying than to know that they died for sure yeah it could be anything it could even be a boat yeah it could be anything it could even be your father's dead yeah um so yeah 
Not that there's so, anything wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> My father wears swimming uh, wears yeah. sneakers in a pool. <laughs> um, okay. So he, uh, so like now, like Brenda and Arthur are like pissed. They're like, why did you call us in the middle of the night? Like, we can't even do anything. Like, yeah. it's like, it's one thing if we could rush to the hospital now, but like, this is stupid. Yeah. No, I had that happen with my grandmother. Yeah. It's very bad. Either call somebody early enough that they can do something about it right. or wait. Yeah. Just w- don't make them miserable all night and like pacing. Yeah. And worst of all, Norman's like, now I can't go back to sleep. Like, this is it. It's ruined. He's like, yeah. there is one thing that maybe could, uh, you know, make this happen. And Brenda's like, really? You really like think that's going to happen now? He's like, well, it will help me go to sleep. And Shanshi's like, all right, well, do you want me to leave the room or can I just turn around? Like, obviously, this is going to be a, uh, a solo, solo affair. Job. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So we head over to the hospital. Uh, much like her, we spend a lot of time in hospitals in, the, in this uh, show. And the family is gathered. We get introduced to the rest of the Drexel clan one by one. Some of the people we talked by back before Arthur brother and his girlfriend, Michelle, their mother, Gloria, Sydney's sister, Rose and her husband, Harry. And we, you know, we start to learn a few things about some of the members of the family while they're like waiting around. And one thing we learned about Brenda is that she has this um, insane memory. Um, it's actually this condition called hyperthymesia where she can just recall absolutely precise details of like almost every day of her entire life. There was once a 60 minute special about these people. There's yeah. like less than a hundred in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if this is good overall. No, definitely this. not. It's probably not right. No, definitely not. Yeah. Like it certainly has its benefits. Sure. But on the whole, it's, it's, it's uh, unnecessary information. I feel like I have too much unnecessary information in my head. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I would agree with that. Um, about one, me or about uh, you? Oh, both. I mean, yeah. you're probably worse, you know, you're, you know, depends how much you value different information, I guess. <laughs> yes, you're, yeah. yeah, you're probably much worse than me. Let's be fair. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're both bad in our own ways. I'm, I'm attributing to you the uh, complete contents of your all of your charts. I'm like imputing that knowledge. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, all that stuff. Yeah, it's in there somewhere. It's all, you know, you could you could recite it all regular, so you basically know it. Yeah. So, okay, who else do we have? Okay, that's it. Okay, Brenda, yes. Um, she, um, there's one particular story she tells about how there was a day where they did the crossword, and the one clue they couldn't get was like New York Jets quarterbacks, six, six letters, and it was Namath. Um, So that's pretty stupid. You would think that's someone who's good at crosswords. Like, that's a pretty, I mean, yeah, you should know that. He was pretty famous. Yeah. Um. I'm, I'm making sure you're not going to accuse me of being too uh, yeah. New York centric, <laughs> but I think Joe Namath was pretty famous. Yeah, no, famous. Yeah, like yeah. if you're completing the New York Times crossword, like you should know that. That's on a Monday, I feel like. Yeah, like that's not a hard puzzle. Yeah. If that's like the football clue. Um, okay, so yeah, so the doctor comes in, he tells them things are looking pretty grim and they could probably extend his life for a little bit. Uh, by putting him on a ventilator, but he would never actually recover. And of course, like what kind of quality of life is that? The problem is the brothers don't know what to do since their dad had never made, you know, provisions for these sorts of end of life decisions and they don't know what he would want. And so Norman suggests that the only fair way to resolve this is to flip a coin Mm. because, uh, yeah, of course, that's the best lie. I've been flipping coins lately. It's a very stupid thing to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you shouldn't, like, base major life decisions on that. Yeah. It's like, you know, which guy gets which person in a fake thing that's not even a real thing that has weird, crazy rules, any arbitrary nonsense anyway. Whatever. A coin flip is fine. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, yeah. So... They also debate what to do about the burial. And Arthur's like very against spending a lot of money on any of this bullshit because like it doesn't matter. The living shouldn't sacrifice for the dead. The dead are dead. And like, as I said at the top of the episode, like when I die, do whatever you want with my body. I don't care because I'm dead. Like, yeah, that's how I feel as well. Yeah. I wouldn't even say I don't, don't even bother to take me to a dumpster. That's a schlep. <laughs> By me, they take whatever you leave out. It's like the best garbage ever. Like, my town like there's a lot of things that aren't great our yeah. garbage or at least the people that come to my house i put out like just like an office chair on the curb the other day it was gone you put out a mattress they take it like whatever okay. you want it's great you're saying a body leave a body out there i don't know i you know they've never not taken something yet. <laughs> have you tried to raise the stakes repeatedly to test them 
Um, I mean, I thought office chair was risky. Oh, this is you're saying. So this is not on like a, on a large item, like first Monday of the month. This is on a random nope. garbage day. This is they're taking my garbage and I just put out shit. They take. Oh, me. oh, my, my my town. No, if you're if you have something that doesn't if the garbage bin top doesn't close all the way, they won't take it. They'll leave a oh. sticker. Oh, no. Yeah, no. I put, out, like, fuck I put out like I put out stacks of wood. I put out a bunch of metal one time. <laughs> they take and they say, I don't know how I don't know how like it works in like the garbage compressor. Do but. you so does your town have uh, like uh, uh, persons, humans on their truck or just like yes, a giant yes, claw? Yes, arm? Yes, we, no, we have humans. Oh, we just have the <laughs> giant claw arm. Do you have to tip the giant claw arm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to give it uh, extra garbage on Christmas. So the know. giant claw arm knows if the thing is like not properly. No, there are closed. people. Oh, they're just there to observe. Yeah, basically. <laughs> they, they're there to see if the claw arm can't do it and then to get, put a right. sticker on your thing that says to too make, much garbage. And probably also to make sure the claw arm doesn't start attacking houses. <laughs> get a mind of itself. Because that one might be bad PR for the yeah. uh, garbage company. Yeah. Wait, um, is this public or private garbage you have? Uh, public. Oh. No, so do I. I just found out that the town that you grew up in, yeah, has private. Pro- like it doesn't have garbage services. Yes, um, you and- they do pay like like property like taxes to the town, do they not? They, I mean, yes, they yeah. pay a lot of taxes. Yes, they do. <laughs> Should it not cover like the the, the uh, removal of garbage? I, I don't know what it covers and what it doesn't cover. Maybe they get things that other people don't get. I have no idea. You know, every state does things uh, in their own stupid ways. Yeah. Where everyone's okay. pissed. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. the. I don't know. the. Politics. Don't forget to vote on November 2nd. Yeah. For who? Who are you voting for? <laughs> Any names you recognize on the ballot. OK, yeah. Um, OK, we also uh, find out that Sydney, despite being in a quasi comatose state, has managed to feel up Michelle's boob. Mm. And um, she didn't seem to mind under the circumstances. She's like, <laughs> you know, listen, the guy's got 30 minutes to live. Like, if he wants to touch my boob, let him touch my boob. And Norman thinks this is a fantastic attitude. Yeah. Norman the Sandlot is- had a similar attitude, didn't it? The Sandlot? Um, and, yeah. The where, Sandlot- where he, he, fakes, being, he yes. fakes being dead for the purpose yeah. of essentially committing sexual assault. Yeah, I feel no, like no, that no. movie is viewed very differently now than when I was in fifth grade. Yeah, when I was I mean, in fifth grade. I thought that was like, oh, well, the only way I could ever touch a boob would be I would have to do something like this. Yeah, I mean, I think you could say it's certainly a bad scene. I don't think yeah. you know, it makes the movie bad. No, I mean, he's an 11 year old kid. But yeah. 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 But it's uh, it's a little rapey. Yeah. Uh, but they end up married. They, 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 they get married and have nine kids, yeah, right? They end up getting married. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's spoiler funny, alert for the no, Sandlot. No. <laughs> spoiler alert. All I did was turn on a podcast about goddamn fish in the dark to listen to some Broadway and they have to ruin that movie from 1995 that I've been saving. Yeah. Well, I think it was pretty inevitable. Yeah. Um, okay. And among those others visiting is Fabiana, the family housekeeper played by Rosie Perez. We mentioned her before. Gloria thinks this is very bizarre, even though she did work for the family for over a decade. Dun, dun, dun. And finally, um, Greg mentions to Norman that, like, you know, you should really be tipping the doctor probably <laughs> at least a couple hundred bucks because, like, you really do want to thank him for his services. Yeah. And Greg thinks he's I mean, Norman thinks he's wrong, but like he's re- not really sure what to do. Yeah. Um, don't, don't tip your doctors in cash. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was one uh, one line that uh, we uh, we jumped over where. um Arthur is telling uh, Norman about how great Michelle is. And she's, he says like, oh, she's even into women as well. Um, and uh, Arthur and uh, Norman's like, oh, come on. Like the best I've ever gotten was sitting between two women in coach. <laughs> so, yeah, they're definitely definitely portray uh, Arthur. Arthur is like definitely like the much cooler, like more brothers. successful. Yeah. Two brothers. yeah. And the. Um, the moment of truth finally rise um, and, you know, life begins to fade away from Sydney and everyone's, you know, you know, surrounded by his family as he uh, as he starts to pass away. And he tells Gloria how much he loves her. And he says, normal. I love you, too. Um, and now this will become pretty much the inciting incidents for like a lot of what else, you know, not really of like the plot, but like, this is like the, one of the main recurring uh, storylines of the rest of the play. Now this uh, dispute between Norman and Arthur about who he was talking to when he said normal. Yeah. Now, what is, what is to me is a little, is very confusing about this is that. So like part of it is that Arthur will claim that um, Cindy would always refer to him as Toro, but that was his nickname. Yeah. Now, Normal really just sounds like Norman. 
Yes. Like, what's the like they should have chosen names for the characters where like this confusion make, would make more sense. Like you could just call the characters anything. Yeah. This is like the main like inciting like dispute yeah. of the play. Like, so you don't like the name they sense. picked. I don't like yeah, either the name they pick or just like the random. Like if he said like Norther, that would be that would make more sense that it was like in question what he said. Like even the thing he's like, oh, he called me Toro. Like that also doesn't sound like normal. But like, I yeah. guess like I mean, also, I guess um, I read it on the on the transcript. It says normal. I don't know if like they actually say something that's more like Oro and that could be normal Norman or Toro. I don't know. Um, so maybe that's what it is. But like based on how I was reading it, it didn't make any sense to me. Um, OK, so. Sydney um, goes on. To, so like, so they're each like he was talking to me, you know, Norman says he, he, I'm the one he loves. And uh, Arthur's like, no, I'm the one that he loves. And then he goes on to say that he wants him to take care of their mother and to have her come live with them. And so, of course, they immediately reverse course. And they're like, oh, he was talking to you. And the other, the other one's like, no, of course, he was talking to you. Toro, Toro. He said, Toro. He always called you Toro. He doesn't even know my name, basically. Um, so like they're like and like they're both like going at it. Like this is like this is like very similar to Kerb where like Larry dies and like they get into a big argument. Um, Cheryl and Jeff and Susie right yeah. with the money um, and it's like he's dead he's been dead for five seconds and like they're already arguing about like who's going to be responsible for taking care of the box so like that's to me like that's like a, a hilarious moment that's just like very curb very Larry just like the very like the dark humor moments of that like no one tells the stories about these like insane things that happen like in inappropriate settings and like that's just like classic uh, classic curb right here yeah um, so yeah, so like they get it, they bring in all the doctors and nurses. They're like, they want to know, like, what did you hear? What did you hear? And like, you know, they don't really get a resolution. Uh, Norman then tries to go over and tip the doctor who, you know, tells him that he's insane. Like no one's ever tipped him before in his life. Like this is, you know, completely nuts. And Norman realizes that he must have been tricked by Greg, that this was like a little prank that Greg did on him to embarrass him. Yeah. And, um, Next, we have Harry, who's just been hanging around, and he what, he, what he's claiming is that uh, right before he died, earlier that day, maybe, um, Cindy told him that he wants him to have his Rolex. So, you know, I'll be taking that Rolex now. Thank you very much. Yes. Nice move. There's a um, uh, there's a, uh, a relative. I won't say exactly who. Um, <laughs> but when my when my wife's mother died, when my mother, when my mother-in-law's mother died. So oh, my, okay. Yeah. That's when, very yeah, different. Sorry. When my, when my wife's mother's mother died, this person who is not related to my wife's mother, um, went to her, her like while visiting at Shiva, uh, took a number of items from the home, like, mm-hmm. uh, items that had like significant, you know, sentimental value and also financial value to, um, my my mother in law and uh, her siblings, like to their, you know, the, from their from their mother, their dearly departed mother. And when my mother in law confronted this this person, this person said, "Don't I deserve to have something to remember your mother by too?" Yikes! <laughs> and didn't give it back. Wow. So yeah, just just say no, no, no. She told me right before she died. She told me this for me. Oh, I gotta try that move. Yeah. Yeah, having not having shame is like a superpower. <laughs> yes, really. Yeah, you like, can become president of the United States. Yeah, you just like get away with a lot because people just like don't want to deal with you. Yeah. Well, what are you supposed to do with this person? You know, you you you, you curse them out and you roll your eyes and when you move on with your life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then the uh, the next big revelation is that Arthur reveals that Sydney never really cared for Brendan. <laughs> And in fact, he told her, uh, he told Norman on his wedding day that he didn't have to go through it if he didn't want to. Hmm. And um, Gloria starts talking about how, like, you know, this is, you know, kind of when we all decided we don't really like you, or maybe it was him, maybe it was me, maybe it was both of us, that uh, 12 years earlier, you invited us over for dinner and you served us fish, but you dimmed us, you dimmed the lights. (sighs) And it made any, it made it really hard for everyone to see if there were any bones, and Cindy almost choked on a bone. And who serves fish in the dark? Indeed. So, do you think that Larry came up with the name "Fish in the Dark" and then decided to work it in, or do you think this was in the script and they're like, "What should the name of the play be?" And then it got proposed that way. I think probably the former. Uh, I don't even know because I don't even know what it is. Like this is like to me. This what is, is like fish really, in the dark? Yeah, like this is like such a weak title to me. Like I don't yeah. get it at all. Unless I'm just like it's like I'm just totally missing it. I just think the joke is that it's it sounds like it's almost an expression in like three different ways. 
Yeah. But it's like fish in the dark sounds like a thing you've heard a hundred times. And then you think about it, you're like, no, I've never heard of that except for this play. <laughs> I guess maybe that's what it is. Uh, Doesn't it? I don't know. To me, it does. I mean, it's it's like a cool name, like, but like you figured like it was going to somehow have, you know, some metaphor or some, you know, more memorable part of the story than just like this random story within a story that's like not even really relevant to anything. And, and the other weird thing, if you think about it, is that fish in the dark in this context is about people eating fish in the dark. But the fish in the dark, unlike the poster, is, is an actual, actual fish, fish right. in like a dark water. And so that's even more strange. Yeah, it's like, a, one, fish in a, yeah. it's like a fish in a light bulb. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like complete nonsense. As far as I can tell, again, I could be like way off here. We're okay, not so question it. number one for Larry is the title <laughs> to fish in the dark. Yeah, which is a reasonable <laughs> question, actually. Yeah, I think it's a reasonable question. And it's just yeah. like, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind it if it was like fine there was no like extra layer metaphor whatever fine i could live with that but it's also just like feels like such a throwaway line in the show in the show itself yeah yeah like it's like it's not otherwise memorable or important um so yeah so and she's like and do you remember like what uh what you told us on that day and it was something like get out of my house this is my house like you're gonna you either do things the way we want or you don't be here um so, yeah, so we go uh, to the forward to the day of the funeral. The family's coming home from the uh, ceremony or the service. And it seems like everyone thought it was very nice. And Gloria is going on and on about what a great eulogy Jessica, Arthur's 14-year-old daughter, gave, saying it was even better than Norman's. And Norman is uh, taking this very personally. He's been very petty. He can't let, let be that someone said, you know, the kid's uh, speech was better than his. And he starts to suspect that this kid didn't even write the speech. It was probably written by Arthur and she's taking credit for it. And the tell of how he thinks he knows that it was written by an adult is that it had the word profound in it, which is a very grown up word. which mm. I don't really agree with. Did you ever play the game deep but not profound? Yes, I've had it played on me and I've played it on others. Yeah, um, but it, can, it can only really be played on you once. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. Unless very, you're very stupid. Well, you could play. You could, Yes, you you get to play. It's like it's like many games like No Soap Radio. I know yeah. Soap Radio is probably played on people many times. The truth is. Yeah. Until they find out what's going I've, on. I've deeper not profounded my kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I didn't tell what, what tell them what it was. I am like three or four of them. And then I just like let them uh, get angry so I can play it a second time. Oh, so you still don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. With yeah. With dumb people or children. Yeah. You can, you can <laughs> it's okay. Like I mean, you can call my kids now. Well, they're not. They're dumb for people. Yeah. They're not dumb for kids. Yeah, <laughs> they're dumb for people. That's they that's a good way people. to describe children. Yeah. Children are like dumb for people. They've really they're very dumb. They're like people. drunk for people also. Yeah, they don't know anything. Like, I mean, what, what they get a little think bit how many times think how many times like you have cried or your wife has cried in the past like many years, and then think how many times your kids have cried in the last like like two days. I don't understand yeah. why. Well, but kids, you know, real lack of emotional control there. Get it together, kids. Yeah. Get a life, kids. Yeah. Get a life, Jewish kids. I, th- I think these kids are a bit much. They're a bit much. Yeah. They're, they're I, 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 I use that today, actually, to describe an anti-Semite. <laughs> He's a bit much. Or he, he thinks worse. No, I said, um, they, they said, oh, well, that guy's terrible, isn't he? So I said, well, he thinks Jews are a bit much. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, anti-Semites. Yeah. Um, okay. Where were we? Oh, yes. Suddenly, Gloria <laughs> starts calling out Sydney's name. She's like, Sydney, Sydney. And they're like, what? And they're like, that bird that just flew by, that's your father, Sydney. And they're like, what? And she's like, yeah, there was a bird. It was an Oriole, which makes sense because he's from Baltimore. So, of course. Um, so, yeah, that was totally your dad, Sydney, that bird. Um, which everyone's like, okay, mom's crazy now. Uh, meanwhile, Greg comes to Norman. He gives him his very heartfelt speech and he asks him for his blessing for him to marry Natalie. And Norman says, you know what? No, you can't. <laughs> and uh, Norman and uh, what's his name? Uh, Greg walks away dejected. And uh, meanwhile, Arthur and Norman are going on and on arguing over who is going to take in their mom to live with them. Okay, we then uh, we then head over to what I would say is the turning point, uh, crucial scene of the story where it really takes a turn. And uh, that is where Fabiana, the housekeeper, comes to pay a visit to Norman and tells him a little story about one day that she was doing some laundry in the uh, Drexel home 
when Norman grabbed her tatas or tetas. I don't remember how they pronounce it. Yeah, strangely. Um, which uh, led to a sexual affair that carried on for many years where they were having sex on average six times per week. That's uh, at, at quite times. a number of times. Yeah. To not would, get caught. Yeah. I would also, guess it, it probably wasn't for six times a week per, for the entirety, but probably, you know, at its uh, at its apex. Yeah. Well, maybe this guy was juicing. He had to have been juicing at yeah. that point. I mean, yeah, that's a pretty solid. Apex. Yeah. And by the way, this is a relationship that seemed to start with yet another act of sexual assault, like an, an employer grabbing his employee's breasts without her consent. Yeah. Yeah. No, we shouldn't whitewash. the Really, really rewarding. Uh, I don't know. This behavior is really being rewarded in, uh, in uh, LD circles here. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, he's just, uh, I guess, depicting reality. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Also, also true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And the, uh, there's the other hundred versions of the story where the, uh, maid, uh, objects and gets fired. Right. Um, and the, uh, the and then ultimate... the husband tells the wife, oh, she was stealing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Of course. Um, yeah. So this, uh, results in the ultimate, uh, consequence being the birth of her son, Diego. Um, who we learn is Arthur Norman's half brother. Yeah. I mean, listen, you're having sex six times a week. Eventually, you're, one's going to sneak past the goalie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're actually, it's, 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 it's honestly a miracle that it was only one. Only once. Yeah. Yeah. We've had like four kids with him. Yeah. How many uh, years did they do this again? They worked. He worked for them for 10 years. I think they said. Yeah. And how many years in does, does this start? I don't know. All right. Um, yeah. I don't think they said. Um, so she explains that she had to stop bringing Diego around the house because he started to look so much like Sydney that like it would be obvious. Like you bring this kid around, they're gonna be like, "Well, oh, that's clearly his kid. Like, why do you have him?" Um, <laughs> and she says that that this whole time Sydney had been taking care of her financially and that he had promised that he would uh, make arrangements to continue doing so after he died. Um, although I guess it seems like uh, obviously that wasn't uh, arranged for. And Norman says, you know, I'm really sorry, but I can't help. You know, as you know, the urinal business has not been great. <laughs> so, yeah, Larry, uh, Larry, uh, you really know, obviously very, like yeah. every every project of his yeah. goes into some sort of uh, peeing yeah. uh, device. He's but, not uh, obsessed with tits, as Cheryl says. He's obsessed with pissing, basically, with urination. Yeah, I think he's very into yeah. tits as well. No, he likes tits also, yes. How many more times yeah. should I screw the word tits in my house? I just saw a, t- uh, a tit mouse. Yeah. <laughs> You're obsessed with breasts. Yeah. He's obsessed with breasts. Talking he's, to kids about them. Yeah. He's obsessed with butts. Yeah. Oh, well, look, butt. Cheryl, and we'll get to this maybe in a future week's episode, but Cheryl was uh, not the most dynamic of sexual partners. <laughs> Perhaps. During the daytime. Yes. Yeah, but you know, she, she, she uh, find vehicular, herself in a lovely yeah. menage a trois. Oh, no, she doesn't do the vehicular. That's with um, that's yeah. with Vivica, right? Well, but it, the attempt is with Vivica, but it's it's it, well, actually, no, it's of all Vivica. people, it's Jeff and Susie. Yeah, it's Jeff and Susie. Yeah, it's, it's the shrink. Uh, it's the doctor. Yeah. yeah, but doesn't he doesn't he ask Vivica as a part of the breaking up or no? I forget. Um, no, I don't think so. It's no. not the um, what's his name is uh, Leon's uh, side piece. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hiding in the car. Yeah, hiding yeah. In the car. So Vivica thinks once you got to taste that yeah, brown Fuck sugar. Fuck you, yeah. Larry David. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good uh, mom. Big, big mama. What did they call her again? Aunt uh, Aunt Jean. What was it? Um, Aunt Norma. Aunt Jean. I'm going to go with Aunt Jean. No, it's not Jean. Aunt Viv. Norma. No. It's, with a, it's something with an N. <laughs> Wrong show. Ray? No. Auntie Ray? Auntie Ray. Yes, yeah, Auntie I think Ray. that's right. right. Yeah, good job. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Norma Ray. I'm like, nope, that's yeah. someone else. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure that's someone else. Yeah. Um, okay. There's no ends no in Auntie Ray, but well, in Aunt, I guess. Yeah. But she's a beloved um, aunt. He says, um, you should really try speaking to Arthur. He has a lot more money. Um, but yeah, he's probably not going to agree to help because, um, you know, just like he wouldn't take, agree to taking Gloria. And this leaves uh, Norman with no choice but to step up and say he'll take uh, his mom to come live with him. And this is like the final straw from Gloria. You know, you're choosing your mother over me. And she storms out and we're uh, led to believe that their marriage might be on the rocks. Mm. Um, there's uh, there's an argument in this uh, those last couple of scenes. I don't remember exactly where or who it was uh, between the, the word cunt versus the word dickhead in which one, whether they're equivalent or whether one is worse. Yeah. I mean, this is almost like when there's arguments about like the N-word versus another word. And it's always like, you know how you know the N-word's worse? Because you're calling it the N-word instead of saying it. <laughs> and so I feel right. like, 
like there's no circumstance in which you can get in trouble for saying dickhead. I mean, outside of like school or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think Kanye is much worse just because yeah. I think it's it's not even just about the um, tabooness of the word. Like the word itself is generally used in like in a much more like derisive fashion. Like dickhead to me can mean kind of just like, you know, but, it, but I think it's like, also like cultural. Right. If you go to like guess, if you right, go to like England or Australia. I right. think it cunt could, is just left be. and right. And dickhead is like, stop the presses. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. To me, like it could mean like an asshole, but it could also mean like kind of a doofus. Yeah. But to me, I think it's it. So um, who did I, I called somebody a schmuck today it, who was a Gentile. And then I paused and I'm like, well, do they know what schmuck means? And then I, and then I Googled schmuck to see what like the definitions are that came up. And they were like very negative pejorative. <laughs> And I was like, uh, but, but I, I mean, don't think I don't think schmuck has. I mean, schmuck can just like I, I said in the context, like, oh, what a poor schmuck, which also almost means like you just got bad luck there. Like, sorry, dude. Yeah, well, it's it could be both. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. means both like, you if know, I call you a schmuck, you're an asshole. But if I say, oh, what a poor schmuck, it's like, eh, right. So, yeah, yeah it, could, it could be both. Yeah, um, really, it just means penis. Yes. <laughs> so do with that what you may schmuck head. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really more like a dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. All the all the bad words are just disgusting body parts. Yeah. Um, there's also a, a little uh, moment where Norman says that, like, if anything, he would think his mom would have given all the money already to Hadassah. Yes. The, uh, what yes, a wonderful the, Jewish woman. The women's group. Yes. And I'm giving my money to a men's group. <laughs> What's that from? <laughs> it's uh, from Seinfeld, where, where Elaine and Peter and George, like Elaine leaves to go. Oh, he has, a, he has a meeting. Oh, oh, yeah, I see what you're doing. I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, and yeah. I have a men's group. Yes, yes. <laughs> Not, Not even close. <laughs> Not <Yeah>. even close. <laughs> Which I, that scene to me always left me very befuddled because does that mean that Peterman knows that all the other stuff is bullshit also, but he just has to respect the like the level of the bullshit? Yeah, somewhat. You know, we got to do a deep dive on Peterman at some point. Yeah, Peterman's inconsistent with his with his self awareness. Yeah, See, like does he know his stories are real? Does he know his stories are bullshit? Does he think people think his stories are real? You know. Yeah, that would be interesting. I don't know that I've ever seen people do like real like character deep dives. On Jay Peterman? On, on like any of the side characters where like rather than go like chronologically through Seinfeld, do like an episode about like everything with Peterman and like go like get in on, on all that stuff like in one shot. So you don't think there's ever been. I didn't say it's never been. I'm saying yeah. I've never seen it. I'm not saying no one's done it. I'm saying I've I've, I've consumed a lot of mm. Seinfeld content yeah. over the years and I don't think I've ever seen that uh, approach to Seinfeld analysis. Mm. Um, by the way. Uh, John O'Hurley, you know, the guy who plays him, who was much more of a like like much more of an established actor, like had a had a longer IMD, uh, IMDB, for example, page than Larry Thomas, the guy who plays the soup Nazi. Right. Mm-hmm. But yet, like, cause, like the soup Nazi guy is famous for the fact that like he like just basically has been living off that for like the last like 25 years. Right. Um, I don't know how much money he's made, but he's but, but like that's his, all, his yes. primary his primary job is <laughs> yes. being the former soup Nazi, being the Nazi yes. which by the way, on that. I'm not faulting him whatsoever. No, God bless America. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, so what I'm saying is like John O'Hurley does that a lot as Peterman, not as much as a soup Nazi guy. But given the fact that John O'Hurley had like a much longer career, I feel like independent of Seinfeld, it's yeah. sort of surprising how much he does that. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's not. I mean, I mean, that's definitely how I think of him. I don't know if like he is has not has he not done anything else that's been successful. Wasn't wasn't he like the host of Family Feud for years? He was the host of a game show. I was thinking whether or not it was okay. Family Feud. Let's see. Wheel of Fortune. I don't know. Um, he was a minor league baseball player. Interesting. Oh, okay. okay. I'm on his Wikipedia page now. He was married to Eve LaRue. I don't know what that means, though. Okay, let me look at his filmography. Yeah, yeah, it says here. Oh, he was the host of two different shows. All right, where'd you go? I'll be there. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. So which, which, which game shows? Yeah, it was Family Feud, and then he was uh-huh. also host so of To Tell the Truth. Mm, I don't know what okay. that is, but okay. it sounds like a TV show. Yeah, I remember Al Borland more for uh, Family Feud. And now, and now, of course, Steve Harvey. Yeah. Um, okay. We're talking about I'm, Peter Mitch for some reason. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm trying to think who is when I think of Family Feud. What about Louis Anderson? Yeah, he did it for a while as well. Yeah. I I, I think I would go Louis Anderson one, and then Steve Harvey two. 
That would be my order. Louis Adams yeah. is also like a Minnesota. I mean, when I guy. when I picture it, I picture the guy from when I was a kid, even though I don't even know his name. Oh, was that somebody before Louis Anderson? Yeah. Oh, Ray Ray Combs. I think that's right. Or Richard Dawson. Richard no, Dawson was the first one. Yeah, I think Richard Dawson was before that. That's like yeah. the original guy. Yeah, Ray yeah. Combs. Yeah, nineteen eighty-eight until ninety-four. Yeah, so that's like when I watched the most amount of Family. Do you Feud. want to guess how many episodes of Family Feud there have been in total? Okay, I didn't look. Let's see. So it's been on since I think the, like the seventies. So and it's on. I have no idea how many episodes a season <laughs> they do. Like it's probably a lot more than I think. Um, I'm gonna guess twelve hundred. Okay. More. Yeah, I, I was afraid of that. Yeah. <laughs> Guess again. Um, um, six thousand. <laughs> no less. <laughs> but but well, not close. Actually, not that much further off. Okay. It's uh, three thousand three hundred and four. Well, that's a lot of episodes of Family yeah. Feud. <laughs> Let's play the feud. Now that includes. And they've never repeated a category. Yeah that <laughs> that includes two hundred. 2,311 episodes on ABC Daytime from 1976 to 1985. So that's a decade. Okay. Yeah. Then you have 976 episodes. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. It's way more than that. Sorry. Way more than that. Okay. That was just one version. Yeah. Okay. Then you have 976 from when it was syndicated from 77 85. Then you have 17 when it was on ABC Primetime. Oh, wow. I didn't know it was on primetime. Yeah. Well, it says 1970 to 84. So it sounds like three or four years like that. So that's only through 1985. So we have 3,304 episodes through 1985. Wild. So maybe 6,000 is way too low. How many categories could there be? I don't know. Keep it going. All right. All right. Uh, For some reason, we're talking about the family feud. We do a family feud podcast. (laughs) We watch every episode of Family Feud. It'll be the greatest podcast ever. Yeah. We do one episode. Yeah. We would need to line up like our grandchildren. One episode a week, starting with 1975. Hmm. Um, Okay. So, Diego. uh, Did did you know this? Since Harvey became host. Yeah. (laughs) Since Harvey became host, the show has become notorious for questions and responses that are sexual in nature, which content frequently referring to certain anatomy or acts of intercourse. This type of material has drawn criticism from viewers including former NCIS actress Paula Perrette. Why is she like the source of like, I don't know. <laughs> but they were always so clean. They would always yeah. say make whoopee. Yeah. Who in 2018 sent a series of tweets to Family Feud producers questioning why the show had been so filthy. According to the Media Research Center, politically conservative content organization, the responses are in line with sexual content being more commonplace on television. Hashtag thanks Obama. All right. Uh, back to uh, Fish in the Dark. Have you seen the, there's like a famous uh, family feud where they say up the butt for every answer at Fast Money? You ever see that one? I don't think so. <laughs> that sounds like it's crude and sexual in nature. Yeah. No, it actually might be problematic. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> All right. Well, we won't play it, but I think there's, I think when I saw it a long time ago, I think I remember thinking it was funny or something like that. All right. Well, I'll go watch it after we finish recording and then I'll try and cancel yeah, you. you. You could, or you, or you could decide to cut this out. If it's yeah, like, oh, well, I don't remember. I remember thinking it was funny at some point. Okay, or maybe I might have incepted this. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think you might have because I googled it, and there's hand up the butt with Steve Harvey. <laughs> there's stick it in a butthole, hilarious Family Feud clip, and light bulb up the butt, Family Feud. Clip. So maybe I'm thinking of the stick it in a butt. I don't even know. I, there yeah. is that person who I, I will know. watch. I, don't know. I will watch all of the butt. Re- <laughs> There was content. I get back. To there you. was a a, a a lady from Washington Heights, I believe she lived, um, who was on who wants to be a millionaire, I think, mm-hmm. or one of those shows. And um, one of the there was a category of planets, and she said, "I can't put my finger on Uranus." Intentionally like or as a no, joke? completely as. Oh. Like, um, okay. I think I mentioned this before. My kids call it Uranus now. Lame. What that they call it Uranus. Oh, they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. On that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Diego comes over to visit Norman, and but when Gloria opens the door, she she screams out Sydney and faints. So now she's seen uh, Sydney both uh, in the form of a bird and the form of a uh, young version of himself. And Norman tries to revive her by telling her he has a new girlfriend named Habiba. She's from Gaza and she's a member of Hamas. 
And Gloria awakes and is insisting that she saw Sydney. And this gives Fabiana and Norman an idea. Maybe Diego can pose as Sydney and visit Gloria and tell her to give Fabiana the money that she was promised. Okay. Um, it's funny that the uh, the example of uh, when Fabiana's pitching the idea, she says that Sydney does a great Ben Affleck for the town. So I guess he, he would not be necessarily be able to do Ben Affleck playing himself, but he could do Ben Affleck playing the character that he plays in the town. Yeah, so that the, character. Yeah. For Although for, do, we don't know that that's not the same character who was on Curb. Maybe that guy just happened to be in Los Angeles visiting. Which guy? The guy, the guy from the, the town? The, the guy that Ben Affleck plays in Curb could be the same guy in the, from the town. So you think that's they can't like two identities? Or I'll yeah, tell you, he's, oh. he's just on vacation in Los Angeles. Oh, so he goes shopping. That, oh, so you're saying the town and Curb take place Before, in the same universe? Yes, yes, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Okay. So yeah. when Larry, when, oh, so what, right. Okay, fine. So here the town exists, and there there's no the movie The Town. There was a robbery at a certain bank in Boston. Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. So he was in the Banana Republic in LA that day. Okay. It, yes. So they give it a shot. Diego goes to play with Gloria visit, tells her how great life after death is. He says, you know, if I had known how good this was going to be, I would have killed myself earlier. And eventually gets around to telling her that she should go see his attorney and arrange for Fabiana to get $30,000 a year from his estate. Gloria is confused and shocked, but she agrees and asks, by the way, did you tell Harry that, can you, that he can have your Rolex? And he's like, actually, I did. And Diego tries to leave, but for, before he can, he, he gets accosted by, not accosted, because that's the wrong word. He gets, uh, she, you know, taken over by uh, Gloria, who goes in for the smooch and smothers him with kisses, is what the, uh, the, uh, the script says. Yes. Okay, so Fabiana goes to Norman, and they're uh, celebrating and laughing and how they pulled off the scheme. And Gloria comes to tell Norman that, by the way, dad really did tell Harry that he could have his watch. And Norman's like, no, he really didn't. He's like, no, he did. And he is, of course, in the position of knowing that she's wrong, but not being able to tell her how she's wrong or why, how he knows that she's wrong. And Natalie comes in and she's a mess. She's in tears because Greg has broken up with her after being rejected by his, her, his potential future father-in-law who said, no, you cannot have my daughter's hand in marriage. And Norman explains that it was a joke. I was just trying to get back at him because he tricked me about tipping the doctor. Like, let me call him. I'll settle this all up. And they're like, no, you've done enough. You've ruined my life. It's too late. He's gone. And um, Natalie's hysterical. So Norman gets the idea to double down on this uh, Diego Sydney situation. And he says, you know, maybe you could have him go see Gloria and tell her that really she should go live with Arthur instead of living with me. And, you know, let's uh, see if I can use this to my advantage. So Diego, you know, he reluctantly agrees. He goes back in to see Gloria. But after a short while, he comes rushing out. He's saying, we need to call 911. I think she had a stroke. And uh, Larry's like, wait, why are you in your underwear? What's going on here? And turns out uh, Diego fucked Larry's mother. <laughs> and and um, Larry's like, you know, Norman's like completely shocked. He's like completely besides himself. You know, his mother is like paralyzed or unconscious. And like, you don't know what's going on. Worse than that is Diego fucked his mother. Yes. And worst of all is that Diego never even got around <laughs> telling, her, <laughs> telling her that, um, you know, you should move in with Arthur instead of with Norman. So like, it's like nothing. He didn't even get anything out of this whole thing. At this yeah. Point. All, all that happened is that there's $30,000 a year going out of his uh, Yerusha. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's got for his trouble. Um, so they all go head back to the hospital. They're waiting for Gloria to wake up, um, including Michelle, who um, we had earlier. I, uh, I glossed over this. Um, after Brenda left uh, Norman, he asked uh, Arthur for Gloria's for uh, Michelle's number. And like now, you know, he's trying to make that a thing. Um, however, um, he finds in uh, opportune time and turns out to be an inopportune time. He tries to grab Michelle's breast. And she slaps his hand away and storms out, um, as she should. Um, when asked about it later, however, he will say that her boob was pretty, 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 pretty good. Full five. Um, so, yeah, full five pretties for Michelle. And the crowd, the crowd went wild in the theater. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, on the downside for Michelle, she gets sexually assaulted twice in the show. Um, on the bright side, she has a full five pretty boobs. So, you know, that's good. But like, you you, you know, you shouldn't grab them without permission. Um, we also um, have it, uh, a further interaction between uh, Gloria and uh, Brenda, where, you know, it turns out that, you know, again, they get into a fight over her you know, using the expression, it's my house, at which point Gloria reveals, well, we paid for it. And Brenda says, okay, fine, but like, we paid you back. To which Gloria responds, yeah, half. Which is a very, uh, you know, Larry David the Schlemiel uh, turn of events that yeah. I guess he had lied to his wife and told her that they had paid, she had, he had paid back to yeah. her parents, uh, but only half. But we'll, and we'll get this in Curb, of course, where Larry will end up uh, in the house that he had bought for Cheryl's sister. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so we get some, uh, we get some loose ends tied up kind of, uh, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, tell don't show with these, uh, resolutions, but they're very like curb-esque, uh, resolutions, I would say, or at least some of them. Yeah. Um, we, you know, the first is with Greg who reveals that actually, no, there wasn't a ruse. Like my dad really tips doctors. Um, and then Harry turns out gets mugged by some hoodlums who steal his Rolex and Arthur comes around and decides to invite his mom to come live with him, except now Norman has flipped sides for some reason, which isn't really clear to me, and says that, you know, dad asked him, not Arthur, to take care of her. Like, I don't, do you, do you, do you follow why, like, all of a sudden now he's like, no, now I want her? Like, no. what changed? It doesn't know. make sense, right? Yeah. Um, so they're like, they both say, you know what, mom, what do you want? Like, what do you think? What did he say? And he says, I guess I'll ask Diego the next time he comes for a visit. And they're both like, Diego, like, who, who are you talking about? Who's Diego? And she says, just a dear friend, a very dear friend. And uh, that's our uh, final curtain call for Fish in the Dark. Mm. All right, Av, do you have a rating for Fish in the Dark? Uh, yes, yes. Um, again, I'm, I was, you know, trying to think of it both as like a, its own thing. That's kind of like a, you know, curb spinoff. Um, and what I came up with is that I think that there's a lot of like weird things that don't make sense. So like, we've definitely had curb episodes like that. Although I thought this one is like particularly lacking with some of that stuff that we mentioned. Um, but I did laugh a lot. I remembered laughing a lot when I finally like got into a good mood and was like, uh, watching it the first time. There's a lot, there's like, I wouldn't say there's like a ton of like, like all time great lines, but like, I was just like, felt myself like very amused, like almost from beginning to end. And a lot of that is just like. I love Larry David and like Larry David, just like doing Larry David things is funny. And like, he, I think he's particularly funny in this. I think he completely carries the play. And like, if you're not into Larry David shtick, like this play is not for you, but like, I think that's sure. probably yeah. obvious. Yeah. Um, I mean, like you could see a world where people would say like, even if not, like it's genuinely great. And, but like, I think it's just like, it's what, if you're all in on Larry David, it's, it's funny. Um, if not spectacular. Um, and if you're like, you're not into Larry David shtick, I don't think it offers a ton. What about no. what about having seen it once Larry's gone? Like, you know, you said your in-laws, for example. So, yeah, but, they, they really enjoyed it, okay. um, if, I, if I recall. And but they like, didn't they have also, a strong affinity, per se, to Seinfeld or Jason Alexander. No, they, no, no, they're big Seinfeld fans. Oh, they are. OK. Yeah. All right. But not group yeah. fans. Um, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah. So overall, I am going to give it a pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, just, you know, kind of like very like smack in the middle to me. Um, has its moments overall, just like made me smile for most of it. Um, and it's hard to do that for an hour and a half plus. No, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, so reading from Wikipedia here, uh, the Broadway production received mixed reviews. The Curtain Up reviewer noted his first play, actually a direct descendant of his popular HBO sitcom career enthusiasm, attracted 22 producers willing to mount it with a cast of 18 at a time when even seasoned playwrights are asked to write for small casts. They also reach deep enough into their pockets to pay for three set changes with one that even includes an elevator. This is like real like inside Broadway stuff. <laughs> an elevator. Yeah. And right, those producers were Fish in the Dark, reeled in more than 14 million advanced ticket sales in the less than... And the less than an ecstatic initial reviews don't seem to have affected the man. Did a, wait, this review is in itself saying that the other reviews are bad. <laughs> the less than ecstatic, this is all part of the quote. And the less than ecstatic initial reviews don't seem to have affected the demand for tickets. No matter that David has chosen to tie his stage debut to the retro sixties at a time when even Neil Simon's once all over Broadway comedies have lost their laugh a minute ticket selling pull. David's less original and nuanced play will keep the cash registers ringing as long as he's on stage to dish up the gags. Okay, that was just a review of the business, not at all of the show. Uh-huh. Okay. 
that's and that's the full paragraph that starts the Broadway production received mixed reviews. Here's a one one review focused almost entirely on the finances of the play. Um, you know, obviously I was in LD completed, so there was no way I wasn't going to see this. You know, I saw it in previews. Apparently I like paid a hundred bucks or probably more than that to like sit in the front row, which is I've never done in any Broadway show. I remember leaving kind of disappointed. I remember leaving sort of the feeling the way I did about clear history, which is it's like a slightly below average curb episode, but it'd be better if it was curb because those would be all my curb friends that I already know. Like, I don't want to waste all the mental bandwidth learning about like the Drexels, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I definitely hear that. And so yeah, I'm going to give it the same rating I gave last week, which is pretty, pretty good. Two pretties. If you're not an LD curb person or Seinfeld person, I guess, I, I don't see why you would want to watch this. Yeah. Right. So that's interesting because I, you know, I definitely hear the criticisms. I don't think it's great either, but I feel, I thought it was a hell of a lot better than uh, clear history, even just listening to it. And maybe, maybe I was more uh, in grip because I was like reading along. Maybe. Um, yeah. I would be just like watching. A show, and for like me, a whereas movie, I, like, I did not do that. So I'm relying on my memory and then, and then right. the recap you gave me. So. <laughs> right. 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 Um, so, yeah. yeah. So that could have, you know, actually enhanced it to not have watched it this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I really dug it. But like, yeah, I, I still see like all the uh, all the flaws. Yeah. So, yeah. That's why, you know, I'm not going to go higher than a 3.0. <laughs> Oh, come on. Be a come with guy. All right. Who is your come with guy or gal? Um, yeah, I'm going to go with a come with gal again. Um, I'm going to go with Fabiana Melendez, played by the great Rosie Perez. Um, she's just like she's really funny in this. Um, I remember her being really funny on stage and like really, uh, you know, the crowd was really uh you know, enjoying her. Um, she also, I think, like, you know, she wins the the show in a way. Like, you know, she pulls off this scheme. At the end of the day, she's a, she walks away with an extra 30 grand a year in her pocket um, and does it, like, in this, like, really uh, clever way. Um, so I give the uh, Come With Gal for Fish in the Dark to Di- uh, Diego's mom, Fabiana Melendez. She's got hmm. it going on. You could have paused after, before the apostrophe S, because I give it to Diego himself. His mother's the winner, but he's the uh, the one uh, sort of the beneficiary of all those victories. He's the one who's right? run. Yeah, yeah he, he. I mean, and he literally does. He goes all the other bases. He he. He's not a fucking asshole, but he is a motherfucker. <laughs> right. Speaking of which, you're a fucking asshole. That's what you are. Uh, who is your fucking asshole? Um, I was a little torn on here. Um, I think there's one that's like more on point obvious, but I'm going to go with uh, Arthur Drexel, uh, played by Ben Schenkman. Um, He's just like a real weasel in this. Like he's clearly like portrayed as being extremely wealthy. Like he's a bachelor, like living the life, but like it's just like very cheap with his family. Like he should be like taking care of them or even, you know, I I somewhat uh, buy into um, his like, you know, don't the, the living shouldn't spend money on the dead. It's a sacrifice. But like, when society does it a certain way, like then it's like it becomes then it's like it's a uh, it's then you're going out of your way to like embarrass someone um, and like not take proper care of them. And um, he's just like, a, yeah, as I said, weasel. I think weasel is the right word. Schmuck would work as well, as we were saying earlier, but hmm. in the bad way. Yeah. But yeah. I think he's kind of a schmuck. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it to uh, to Norman himself. Uh-huh. LD. Fair. He's, he's always the asshole. Yeah. Um, I was actually thinking the re- the biggest asshole is probably Sydney. Yeah. For sure. He has this whole like side family and he's committing sexual assault on his uh, in-house employee. Yeah, he, he's a bad guy. Yeah. And like he didn't he never got any of his affairs in order. Like he has no living literal will, affairs. No in actual order. Yeah. Will. Like, yeah, he just kind of like and when you know, you have all these like out of wedlock kids who are going to show up. It seems especially bad to. Uh... So maybe that's what Larry feels like a fish in the dark. Like he's like his dad just dumped this whole other life on him. But what does fish in the dark? No, mean, it's nothing. Though? It doesn't know. It's nonsense. It's gibberish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gibberish. As uh, our tenth grade teacher would say, yes. All right. Um, well, what else do we should do on this podcast? Uh, I don't think there was any celebrity cameos, and nobody played themselves except for the possible Ben Affleck thing. Yeah, we got into a little bit. <laughs> we, don't, we we didn't really get to the bottom of that one. Yeah. Uh, do we have a postman today? Uh, yes, we have one. Oh, postman. Wow. We have one postman. Postman, postman, come here. Tell the neighborhood what a shanda, Larry, Larry David. you you a lousy Jews. But you're a lousy human being. He screws the wife of a man in a wheelchair. Ashanda. Maybe you should have given me some candy. You're a lousy Jew. Um, do you want to guess? Do you want to guess who the postman is from? I'll say Jim Crumley. Jim Crumley is correct. Great job, Jim Crumley. He says, hi. Well, that did, was did fish in the dark. Not make it across the pond. I guess not. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm guessing. Not a lot of huge Irish. Uh, I'm guessing they probably didn't uh, do a a tour in uh, Minnesota either. 
Um, he says, well, that was interesting. It felt like a 50s sitcom with the audience track mixed too high. I couldn't tell what was going on enough to give a proper rating. Oh, did he listen to that whole audio thing? Wow. What a, well, what a gentleman and a scholar. I don't know if he listened to all of it, but he, uh, sounds he, like listened, he listened yeah. to some of it. He listened to more um, than I Maybe did. he listened to all of it. Yeah. Uh, he says the come with guy is the person who made the recording. Uh, the fucking asshole is Norm's dad. It seems like he was a yeah. piece of work. Yeah. <laughs> as, as we had just said. Fair. So, yeah, so that's our show on Fish in the Dark. I don't know. Anything else to say? I think we covered it all and done yeah. some. <laughs> and then some. Yeah. And some other stuff. I'm uh, very excited that uh, we are uh, nearing the end of Although next week we will have a very exciting guest and we'll have a very special episode. But I'm excited yeah, that fun. with every week we get closer and closer to actual real live new episodes of Kirby Enthusiasm coming back for the first time in a long time. And yeah, but we'll talk more about that in two weeks and, and even more about that in three weeks when it actually comes out next week, we will have a very special guest and we will be uh, doing a, a very special episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's just end it. All right. I think it'll be. Uh... Pretty, 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 pretty good. Okay. <laughs> okay. You say it. Get a life juice.